Let's invite our speaker for this morning. Our dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much, Lord, for the word that you have put into our hands in our language. Thank you that you left nothing to chance, nothing to revelation in terms of, of uh, uh, having to discover it or go research it, Lord. But you spoke clearly. You spoke through prophets. You spoke through your people. Through times and dispensations, you spoke clearly, Lord God. And as men of God were moved, you wrote, they wrote down word for word. And that truth has been protected and, uh, and, and covered by the Spirit of God to this day. So that when we open the Bible day after day, we are still recipients of the mighty truth of God that transforms and changes our life. It is my heart's burden this morning... Father in heaven, as I begin to preach this sermon, I have toiled and I have burdened over this sermon for the last few days. And I have begged with you, Lord God, to make us a genuine people. And it is my heart's burden that people, many, still have not yet given their faith to you and received from you the Spirit of God by which they can call you above, Father. The courage that comes to be a witness from the presence of the Holy Spirit. And the joy to worship the Lord Jesus audaciously, openly, regularly. All that is a result of the Spirit of God that is given to us. And Father God, many, many I see all around me not having that joy, not having that courage, not having that, that zeal. And it is my heart cry to you this morning, at the beginning of this year, that through this year, Lord, the Spirit of God would move through our church, through our home groups, through our venues, through every sermon, through every song, that our worship would become vibrant and engaging, that our preaching would become instructional, met with obedience, and that the Lord Jesus would be lifted high and glorified in the lives, in the homes of members of covenant life. This is my heart cry to you, Lord God. I desire that you be Lord in everyone's life. That we should live out the benefit of your Lordship and governance in our life. To that end, Lord, would you speak to us? We're listening. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This morning... Whether you're new or old, whether you are familiar or uh, unfamiliar, I want to talk to you today about how we can be certain that our life is a blessing. How can we be certain that our life is a blessing? What does that even mean when we say our life is a blessing? Does it mean we are blessed or does it mean we are a blessing to others? On Christmas Day, if you remember, we talked about how God has given us the Holy Spirit who is God in us. Remember, we talked about Jesus being Emmanuel. And Emmanuel is God with us. So Jesus came to be God with us. Then Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to be God in us. What is the goal? What is the end result? Religion? No. The end result is that God wants to be with you. 
God wants to commune with you. God wants to fellowship with you. It is the heart's desire of the Father to be in close communion with each of you every day of your life. He brought you into being. And as he formed you in your mother's womb, he dreamed of the days when you would talk. Just like a father who was bringing birth to a little boy, a little uh, daughter into, into his. And he, from the time you go for that first uh, ultrasound, you dream of the day when you will communicate, when you would hug, when you will hold, when you will pay for, when you will buy, when you, you dream. And God the Father is like that. He has desired because you're his child and he is a father. So God doesn't just want to send Jesus to get you back to him. God wants to give you the spirit of God so that while you're on earth, until you come to heaven, that you can have a close communion with God. That is the heart's Heart of the Father. That's the heart goal of God. Not that you'd be religious, but that you'd be intimate with Him. So we looked at that passage back at Christmas time, and He says in Romans chapter 5, verse 5, and hope does not put us to shame. Why? Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts. How? Through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And the Holy Spirit is a person, the Holy Spirit is God. So as we began, I shared with you our vision, every man for the master and his mission. That was the vision for this. Today. That's our vision for the, for the whole year. And you're going to be seeing it all over the place. Uh, every man for the master and his mission. Whose mission? His mission. Master's mission. Every man for the master. So that, I shared that with you. I asked you two questions. I said, who is your master and what is his mission? And last time we looked at that scripture. Let's read it again. 2 Timothy 2.20. In a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, and also of wood of clay. So you've got different types of articles in a regular house. Some are for special purposes, and some are for regular, common day, everyday purposes. Some are for special, some are for everyday, common purposes. Now, those who cleanse themselves, underline that. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter, okay, common purposes... They cleanse themselves of common purposes. Those who cleanse themselves for the latter will be instruments for special purposes. Three things he does with these instruments. Made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. Made holy, useful for the master, prepared to do any good work. So we asked, we asked God to make us special uh, instruments for special purposes. This is what it means to be a blessing. See, God not only wants you to enjoy his blessing, God not only wants to have a very relational, intimate walk with you, but he wants through you for your life to touch, touch, inspire, change, transform, bless, touch, inspire, change, transform, just the way Jesus did when he walked the earth. Does that make sense? He wants that my life and your life be exactly like his. He did not have a life plan. He came to die. But in his death, he influenced more people that have ever lived. So Jesus wants to do the same work in and through your life, and he's going to do it by, the, by his presence in your life. This is what it means to be a blessing. When my life is holy, useful, and prepared to do any good work, that's when my life is a blessing. The master uses me for then special purposes. Not common purposes, but special purposes. I want that. I really want that. I want that God will use my life. I don't want to have a great career 
and a great name and then die. Who's going to celebrate that? Who am I going to share it with? If I can't take any of that with me, who am I going to share? I want for my life to touch people on a daily basis. I want to go to work to touch people. I want to go to work. I want to go drive down the streets to be able to minister to people. I want to see what Jesus saw when he walked down the streets. I want to speak in a way that changed lives and changed the very trajectory of a person's life just by the way I love that person and, 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 and uh, care for that person. I want him to use me for special purposes. Do you want that as well? Because when you say I want my life to be a blessing, you don't want to just do good works. You want the spirit of God, the life of Christ to flow through you. So how does God do this? How does God do this? Here we are. How does he make me holy? How does he make me useful? And how does he make me prepared? If I don't know this, I'm not going to be able to succeed at the master's mission. And only then my life being the, will be the blessing God has anointed me to be. Okay, it all begins with a commitment. It all begins with a commitment. Walk in the spirit. Walk in the spirit. It's, it's not a, a statement, it's a command. Walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Look at that verse, please. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 and 17. But I say, Paul is talking to the Galatian church. He says, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Here's the problem. The desire of the flesh is against the spirit. And the desire of the spirit is against the flesh. There's something about these two that just don't gel. They don't work together. They don't support each other. They don't work together. What the spirit wants, flesh is not interested. Boring, boring, boring. What the flesh wants, the spirit cringes. Because it is so hedonistic. It is indulgent. It is self-serving. And it is temporary. Just when it finishes, you want it again. Like Chinese food. Constantly, constantly there is the hunger and the hunger never goes away. So the spirit wants to be nourished. The spirit wants to be satisfied. The spirit wants deeper things, but the flesh is like, what's your problem? So the two will always be at loggerheads. Now, you can choose, and here's where the commitment comes. Walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the needs, the lusts of the Flesh. Of course, that's obvious. Uh, uh, come on, Paul, that's, that's, a, that's a given. Yeah, but what he's saying is, the body is a robot, the body is a machine, the body is just a physical thing. And whatever you feed it, it develops an appetite for. Did you hear me? What you feed it, it develops an appetite for. So if you don't feed something, it loses the appetite for that. So when I walk in the spirit, I need to stop feeling sorry for the flesh. Because at some point or the other, the flesh will lose the taste and the desire and hunger for the things it was craving for. Because now you have decided to walk in this. It all begins with that commitment. You cannot, you cannot desire to walk in the spirit. You cannot desire to see God move in your life if you are a carnal, physical, uh, uh, fleshly being. And there's nothing wrong with that except that God has made you alive. And he has given you the spirit of God. So when you have access to a higher power, a better fuel, then why would you walk in the flesh? 
That's the question. That's the point of the whole matter here. And if you're going to want both, they're going to be constantly frustrating you. They don't, even, they don't support each other. So how does the Holy Spirit make me holy? How does he make me useful? How does he prepare me? How does the Holy Spirit make me holy? Ephesians chapter 5 verse 25. Husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for it. So when you look at Jesus in the church like a husband and a wife, this is what Jesus does for the church. He says that he might, circle, sanctify her. He might sanctify her. How? Having cleansed her by the washing of water with the Word. So circle sanctify and circle word and understand once and for all that there can be no sanctifying without the word. There can be no cleansing without water. Right? There can be no cleansing without water. That's why the doctors, that's why the nutritionists will all tell us, drink water. (coughs) No, I want to drink juice. Why can't I drink juice? For the same reason you don't wash your hair with juice. When you're cleaning the floors in your house, you don't throw juice all over the place and you say, like, clean it. Water is meant for nourishment. Water is meant for washing. And you use water as an imagery for the Word of God. So the more I take the Word of God every day, the more the Word of God is going through every day, it detoxes me. It cleanses me. It dilutes the acidic development. Of all the gunk I'm letting through my body. All the fried chicken. And everything that's going through it. As I drink water, it cleanses the system. You understand this. So why don't we understand that the word of God is that? So how does the, the Lord Jesus, the husband of the church, cleanse his bride and prepare his bride? By the washing of the word. So he speaks kindly, like a good husband speaks kindly to his wife. Early in the morning, words of encouragement. Late at night, words of thanks. Through the day, words of assurance. As a husband, a good husband speaks to his wife and builds his wife up with his words. Strengthens his wife up with his words. Nourishes his wife. Makes his wife confident with his words. Backs her up with his words. The Lord Jesus does that for the church through the word. He speaks gentle words of encouragement, promise, and assurance every day. That's how the Lord Jesus does it. So that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot and wrinkle or any such that she might be holy. Circle sanctify, circle holy. Jesus takes the prerogative. Jesus takes the responsibility to make his bride holy. He does it. So that's how he makes you holy. How does he make you useful? The Holy Spirit makes you useful by teaching you from the word. John 14 verse 26. But the helper, the Holy Spirit. Now you're getting different words for the Holy Spirit. The helper, right? The helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you how many things? All things. So now the Holy Spirit is your tutor. So if you don't have a relationship with the Holy Spirit and you don't have an intake of the word of God, you are not hearing his voice as a, as a bride. You're not hearing his voice. You're not being cleansed by the water and you are not getting instruction in the word. Okay, so help of the Holy Spirit when the Father sends him in my name will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. How does he make him prepared? How does he make him prepared? He does this. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, But you will receive power. 
Circle power. You will see power when the Holy Spirit comes. So tell me the three things the Holy Spirit does for you. He makes you uh, holy by doing what? Washing you with the word. He makes you useful by teaching you the will of God, the purposes of God, the ways of God. And he makes you prepared by giving you power. By giving you power. He says when the Spirit of God comes, when the Holy Spirit comes, you will have power to be a witness. See, the problem is not not being a witness. The problem is not having the power to be a witness. Because most of us are wuss. We are wussy. Not that we don't have a story to tell. Not that we don't have a song to sing. Not that we don't have great things to, 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 to point back and say, this God did this for me. Because God's been good to you. God's been doing great things, but I don't have the courage to tell anybody about it because the power within me is not working. It is my heart cry to God that the Holy Spirit would capture the heart of every single member of our church. Capture the heart and do great things through you that I would see the power of the Holy Spirit at work in your life. So, my brothers, my sisters, my friends, the Christian life is impossible. The Christian life is impossible without the indwelling, the guiding, and the empowering. Without the indwelling, he lives in you. Without the guiding, he goes before you. And without the empowering, he gives you courage and gives you power, enabling of the spirit within you. It is impossible. That's why, look at me. That's why you struggle. If you're struggling, that's why you struggle. That's why you struggle with faith. That's why you struggle believing God for the impossible. That's why you have these fears about the, about the future, about uncertainty. You have fears about people, about people, you know, taking advantage of you. You have fears about things not working out. The reason you walk in fear and you are insulating yourself and protecting yourself and constantly anxious is because you're not able to trust God that he has said he will walk your way. He will make your path straight. He will go before you. His plans are for your prosperity and not to harm you. We struggle with that. We feel guilty and we feel hypocritical. And that's why religion becomes a show. That's why we struggle with a lack of hunger. You come to church, pastors bellowing, the worship is going, but it's not, it's nothing, nothing inside. It's so boring. So do we have to go? Do I have to go again? It's so boring. But out of duty and out of good conscience, you just, okay, let's just go. Let's just go. Let's just read the Bible. I don't feel that. It's why you have a lack of hunger or a lack of taste for God's word, God's plans, God's design. That's why the, this world seems more exciting. You look at TV, TV seems more exciting. You can watch three hours of TV, but we can't read five minutes of the word. Why? Hunger. Appetite. Appetite. Because it's just so colorful. 4K. It's just, it's just funnier. It may be the stupidest thing on earth, but it's just funnier. I would much rather sit there and allow that to... It's all hunger. That's why the world and all of it, uh, all it offers seems so alluring. Because it has the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit hasn't given me a sense of heaven. See, once the Holy Spirit gives me a sense of heaven, once He gives me a hunger, once He gives me a sense that I, I don't belong here. This is not my people. This is not my thing. I, 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 don't, I, I need something. Then deep calls to deep. The heart 
cries for eternity. I want to be in heaven. I want to have what you guys are having. I want to know. See, once you've seen heaven, earth becomes horrifically dark and boring. For the light of this will grow strangely dim in the light of your glory and grace. And the spirit of God within you gives you pictures of heaven. Pictures of heaven. You know how sometimes you dream, you close your eyes. Some of you guys, you close your eyes and you see your dream girl. Sometimes you close your eyes and you see your dream apartment. You can just see it, you know. You can see your future. You can see a new place. The way you are able to see, suddenly you see these glimpses. And you think it's deja vu, but it's not yet. Just like that, the Spirit of God gives you glimpses into the future that is actually yours. He gives you a a glimpse into the citizenship that is actually yours. Because you were made for heaven. You were formed for heaven. You were, you were birthed for heaven. You are now carrying the Holy Spirit and you, your spirit is alive. You don't belong here. You don't feel like people who are just living in this land and are desiring to go to the place where they actually belong. You got your bags packed. You're ready. You don't get involved. You don't get caught up. If someone even criticizes you, like, you're out of here. You're just waiting for when you could leave. The Spirit of God gives you a hunger for the place that you really belong to. Then you start planning your apartment in heaven rather than on earth. You start planning your relationships that are in heaven. You start investing in relationships that are in heaven rather than are on earth. That's what the Spirit of God does for you. Who is this Spirit of God? Who is this Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is the third person in the Trinity. God the Father has been at work from the beginning in our salvation and and sanctification. Jesus the begotten, Jesus the begotten, the one to come from the Father, he came, went to the cross, died for you, gave his life for you, resurrected, went back to heaven and said, job done. Then the Spirit of God has come to be with us and to be in us, to complete the task and preserve us till the day he comes. You'll never hear this anywhere else. You'll not, no one else will take the trouble to explain these things to you. Because it's not in their interest or in your interest. John 7, 38. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture says, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. What? What, Jesus? What is this rivers? Now this he said about the capital S, spirit. Whom? Not what? Whom? The spirit is a person. Whom? Those who believed in him were to receive. So here it is, my brothers and sisters, 26th of January, I'm telling it straight to you, straight to your face. I'm telling you that if you have truly believed, then the spirit of God has been given to you. If you have not experiencing the courage, the power, the hunger, the glimpses of heaven, the desire in the heart to worship, the the joy of the Lord, the strength of the Holy Spirit, the different perspectives, God down perspective, heaven down perspective on on life. Uh, If you have not been healed of your past, if if you're not feeling forgiven and faith is not a, a, a challenge for you, it's not a struggle for you, then you have not received the Holy Spirit. If you have not received the Holy Spirit, you haven't really believed. You have only agreed. Many Christians are agreed Christians. They're not believed Christians. They've just agreed with Jesus and the Bible. They've agreed with the church. Because you grew up in it. You were born in it. You grew up with it. Cool. How can I disagree? But if you believed... You know, in Hindi we have that word, that phrase, Bhutsavar. It's a joke. You know why? Because when a person is Bhutsavar, you expect that person to act abnormally. There's some, there, you expect that person to be, right? 
Now, don't you think God Almighty, the Holy Spirit, when he comes upon you, do you think he's going to leave you like a normal person? <coughs> it's not going to be bhut sabar, but it's going to be different. It's going to be powerful. It's going, you'll have a God perspective. You'll have a God perspective on your problems, on your, on your issues, on, your prob- on, your, on, the, on the cynicism and criticism coming your way. When things are not working out, when time flies, you know, you, work is not happening, results are not happening, healing is not coming, answers are not coming for, to prayer. You'll have a God perspective on what's going on. The difficult situations in your home, you'll have a God perspective and a God-ordained strength to deal with that when the Spirit of God takes over your life. Your problem is not that you don't have the answers. Your problem is that you don't have the one who has the answers. Crave not the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but the person of the Holy Spirit. Crave the presence of God in your life. And how? How? How does the presence of God, the Spirit of God, come into a life of believer and work heavily through it? Code. This is the coding. This is how Jesus does it. This is how he works through it. So that's the Holy Spirit. Then when do you receive the Holy Spirit? When do you receive the Holy Spirit? I want to explain something to you, all right? We're almost closed. Don't, don't worry. We're getting, coming very close to the end. Say hallelujah. Besharam, they're actually saying hallelujah. When do you receive the Holy Spirit? I want you to remember a phrase. It is at the moment of your faith response. The moment of your faith response. When God Almighty, by, by the desire and prayer of the Lord Jesus Christ, sends the Spirit of God to indwell you like a tabernacle. Remember that this is huge for the, uh, for the Old Testament believer. New Testament believers, eh, whatever. But for the Old Testament believer who stood outside the temple and then saw the Shekinah glory come down on the temple and went to the holiest of holies and you had three steps within which you couldn't go all the way and the high priest only could go where the Spirit of God was and that glory shone and as long as that fire, the pillar of fire shone through the night and the cloud of smoke shone, was through the day, the people of God knew that God's Spirit was with them. And as long as God's Spirit was with them, God's blessing and God's care was protection was with them then what happened at pentecost the holy spirit in the same fashion came down on the individual and people were like this looks familiar but it's coming on on each person you mean now each person is a temple each person is access to god each person is a place of worship yeah it made sense to them today it's all sorts of nonsense is being taught to you and written to you but that's essentially what it is comes to you at the moment at the moment of you know when a person is in coma you know some of you have relatives that are in coma at least it feels like that when you're talking to them but uh, uh, but you know what coma is like and you know sometimes when a person drowns and you they come out of the you know you drag them out of the water right you know when a person has just been in an accident it's horrific it's a terrible terrible time I don't mean to make a mockery of it but when that person is on the verge of dying it's on the verge of dying. And, and, and they use the defibrillator. <laughs> uh, shock treatment. Okay, which I think we should use in ministry also. But anyway, 
He uses that, okay? And in that moment, and some relative or some, what day is it? What day is it? Can you remember what day is it? What is your name? What is your name? Do you remember what? Hey, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Fight for the light. Move to the light. Move away from the light. Fight for the move. Are you familiar with what I'm talking about? Yeah, you, you, can, you believe that he's hearing. And now that, that guy is all peaceful. He's lying there and then he can hear. He can hear. And then suddenly he, there's some signs of life and he opens his eyes and everybody's like, yay, yay. And then he heard, come, 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 come. And then they wake him up. Okay, here's what happens to the unbeliever. An unbeliever is born dead to God. In the day that you sin, you shall surely die. Everyone is born dead to God, born with the curse of death on his life. He's born physically alive, but spiritually dead to God. But the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the grace of God has reached out to every single human being. And the Holy Spirit has been sent so that in their dead state, every now and then, through VBS through Sunday school, through good things in your life, through the sunsets and the sunrises, through different ways of communication, the voice, the dead person can just about hear the voice of God. And God reveals truth, reveals truth, reveals Christ to them. And as in that moment, here's what happens. I say the moment of faith response. Shall we do that again? The moment of faith response. What happens is as you're lying there, In your spiritual deadness, you hear the word of God. Sometimes it's through a sermon. Sometimes it's through reading. Sometimes through a witness of a friend. Sometimes through a good thing. Sometimes through a vision. The spirit of God reveals Jesus. Jesus. He's the truth. He's the life. And then you begin to reach for the light. I am the light of the world. You begin to reach for the light. And as that little heart of yours that's dead to God begins to respond in faith, God gives the gift of more faith and more life. And he responds more. And he gives the gift of more life, more faith, more. And as before he hits hell, as he responds to God in faith, the hand of the Savior from the very cross reaches out, grabs him, and saves him from the fires of hell for eternity. In that moment, the heart of the believer has now clung to the heart of the Savior, and gospel has become complete. He has not been converted. He has been saved from hell. He's been saved from sin. He's been saved from carnality. Out of darkness into your glorious light. All behind the scenes. Just when a person says, Jesus, I believe you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Angels stand to attention. The spirit goes to work and they grab him and save him just in the nick of time. Just in the nick of time. You know, there was a Two men who hung on Jesus' side. One on the left and one on the right. One rejected Christ. And one acknowledged who he was. And seconds before he hit the fires of hell, the Savior saved him. Today, you shall be with me in paradise. I wrote a song when I was 21 years old from that guy's perspective. Can I sing it for you? When the man beside me hung there crying, Father, forgive them, their sin is mine. When the man looked to heaven and asked if God forsook him. When the man looked at me and said, Son, you'll be in paradise today with me. When the man turned and died, well, I knew he was the Christ. Oh, I was a hanging next to light. I could see his loving eyes. The pain with time passed by And the hope of life was bright When he took the guilt, the pain, the shame The curse that 
that I had to my name When the man beside me died I was hanging with a brand new wife When the heart inside you cried An emptiness, a hole inside With a heart yearns for life A warmth from above When the heart is seeking for a light To rid the darkness in your mind When the heart yearns for light well, it's time you came to Christ. Let me do that again. When the heart inside you cries, an emptiness, a hole inside. When the heart yearns for love, a warmth from above. When the heart is seeking for a light to rid the darkness in your mind. When the heart yearns for light. Well, it's time you came to Christ. Oh, I was a hanging next to life. I could see his loving eyes The pain with time passed by And the hope of life was so bright Well, he took the guilt, the pain, the shame The curse that I had to my name When the man beside me died I was hanging with a brand new life Oh, I was hanging next to life I could see his loving eyes The pain with time passed by and the hope of life was so bright Well, he took the guilt, the pain, the shame, the curse to my name When the man beside me died I was a hanging in the brand new life Oh, when the man beside me died I was a hanging in the brand new life Isn't that cool? When I was 21, I thought that was so amazing. When the man beside me died, I was hanging next to... Whew! Only the Spirit of God can give you that kind of stuff. I was very smart when I was young. <laughs> then I became a pastor. So what is that moment when the Spirit of God comes into you? He comes into you. You're given the gift of faith to respond to truth. And depending on the condition of the heart, the person in humility responds to truth with faith. Trusting what he's sensing to be the truth of God. I believe what he's saying is true. Then even with everything else that doesn't make sense, he embraces it. God then gives him more faith to understand and acknowledge that Jesus as the Christ, the Son of God. The name by which you can be saved from hell. He believes this. He grabs it. The Spirit grabs him. Saves him. Just like the man on the side of Jesus on the cross. There are two words in the Old Testament in the Hebrews. Ru or Ruah and Rema. Ruah is the spirit of God. A, when, when, when God breathed spirit into Adam, he became a living being. And the word for the spirit is Ru, Ruah. God breathes the breath of his own life into you. You are never the same again. You're never the same again. And then the rima, which is the utterance, the word of God, talks to you, builds you. It regenerates you. Look at that word, regenerates you. It gives you new life. Generate, regenerate. Makes you alive to God. Makes you hungry for God. Makes you victorious for God. Then it leads you. It prompts you in directions of what he is doing. Go, to, go talk to this person. God is work, at work in this life. No, don't go there. Don't go there. God is not at work on that. He's not blessing that. Okay, make that decision. Yeah, yeah, go for that. God, God leads you. God guides you. And then he sanctifies you. He sets you apart for, from the world. He sets you apart for his work. That's what God does. That's what God does for you. My brothers and sisters, 
This is how the Spirit of God builds you up. Through the Word. You don't have to go looking for the Spirit. Stand in worship. Come Holy Spirit. Come. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Please come. You don't have to do that. That's wrong theology. You don't tell God what to do. You do what God has told you to do in, in English. So when you read the word, God the Spirit works in your life. But right now I want you to focus more on the fact that without the Spirit of God you can't do it. And without the word of God, the Spirit of God can't do it. I repeat, hear me? Without the Spirit of God, you can't do it. And without the word of God, the Spirit can't do it. He is not going to talk to you outside of the Bible. So if you're hearing the Spirit of God outside of the Bible, you are a hypocrite and you're a heretic. Not you, generally. Okay? So God's going to speak to us. So what am I going to plan for the next day? I want to challenge you to two things. Please listen to this challenge as I close. Challenge you is a twofold challenge. Number one, if you have never responded in faith to the revelation of God's truth, even if you're a Christian, even if you were born a Christian, your families. No matter what you're familiar or not familiar with, if you have never acknowledged the fact when God said to you, you are separated from God by your sinful nature. If you have not acknowledged the fact that Christ's work of atonement by the shedding of his blood redeems you and grants you mercy and forgiveness. If you've never acknowledged the fact that it is the blood of Jesus Christ that forgives you or, or washes you clean and by that you are redeemed, and receive the forgiveness of God. If you don't and have not embraced the truth that Christ died for you. That he rose again for you. And is positioned as the Lord of heaven and earth. Making him the rightful Lord of your life. Then I challenge you this. I challenge you to respond to God today, acknowledge this is God's truth, and bow your mind, bow your heart, and bow your knee to Jesus Christ. God will, by your faith in what you have heard to be true, place his spirit in you and make you alive and give you eternal life. Here's the proof of what you believed is true. After you believe it, God will tell you that what you believed is true. A twofold challenge, one more challenge. If you have given your life to Christ and have not understood the role of the scripture as water washing you, sanctifying, empowering, and instructing you, then I challenge you. Today, 26th of? I challenge you. I dare you to resolve today to make a pact with God's word. To read it, Understand it, devour it, and engage it daily without fail until his word breathes the life of God into your soul and brings you to a place of being alive to God into your soul and makes you enjoy his presence and enjoy obedience. Is obedience tough for you? You're not enough word in you. Worship not enjoyable? Not enough words. God's presence, kind of a distant idea? God's word in you. Make this commitment with me if you're in the latter I will fuel my mind with God's word every day so that the Holy Spirit can make me like Christ. Approve me for his service. Useful. And use me for the master. Okay? In your heart, 26th of January, 2020, 
In your heart, don't say it out loud. Make this commitment today. I will fuel my mind. You understand the word fuel? I will fuel my mind with God's word every day. So that the Holy Spirit can make me like Jesus, not like me. Approve me for his service and use me for the master. Let's prepare our hearts to go to the cross. With every head bowed and every eye closed, which commitment are you making today? Are you embracing Jesus as the name by which we can be saved, the truth of God? Or are you coming back to God saying, Lord, I will make the Bible my daily intake. I will give the Holy Spirit fuel to work in my life. 